Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper Podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me tonight in the studio, Zachariah King. Zach, how are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm back. I'm, uh, I mean, I'm a little wiped out. Been well, a, a longer than normal weekend. You had a, you had a busy weekend. Had a busy weekend. It'll big be event. A, big event. It'll be a shorter than normal Monday, though. Oh so yeah, I'm playing. You have a little forward. bit of time off to I got some try time. to recoup. Yeah, yeah. We had a good weekend though. The girls in uh, Kenya are going to be happy. We gave them a little. Oh, here you go. I didn't even think of this before. What? What happened, we, uh, dude? We've I've I've got a uh, what's a segue. Oh, okay. Uh, this will be good radio. Boy, I can't, I can't I mean, wait. I Usually, obviously... it's just clumsy <laughs> from one subject to another. Yeah. You know, give it's, it to me. And since I didn't think of it before, and now I've introduced it twice, mm-hmm. I've I've just messed the whole thing up completely. It's all right. Give it a shot. But. Mm-hmm. We can edit <laughs> all of this. Do you want to talk about hunting now or physical fitness and then loop back in? We can do it. People, the, are, they're not going to know. The elk is what I, I need to ask you about organs and all sorts uh-huh. of things. But uh, no, we had a fundraiser this weekend for the girls, and mm-hmm. they have fallen into some financial security. Oh, for the okay, next yeah. Several, you know, the who next, knows? Yeah. Um, okay, I, so we'll let me give the total numbers. Let me get the background. Stuff. Yes. Okay. She has a name. Dot info. Correct. Is the is the website for the ministry slash charity that we're talking about and it is a ministry that helps uh girls who are trapped in the cycle of um prostitution based poverty or poverty based prostitution yep there you go okay um get them out of that and get them away from that and get them into a school and pay the bills for the girls and buy them clothes and their food and a safe place to live and the whole thing. So trying to get them out of one of the slums in Nairobi, Kenya, right outside. And uh, there's a lot of folks that live in these slums and there is very little to no way for a lot of these people to make money for their families. So what a lot of parents resort to is using their daughters as prostitutes to help support the family and the ministry she has a name uh goes over there and tries to do something about it and um i've been loosely i don't want to say involved but aware you know <laughs> aware is is a safe word you've, you've been fairly involved um yeah. in you know and just trying to you know get the word out and get help people uh you know um help uh, raise support for for the ministry so anyway yes. Once every year, you guys have a big um, craft fair as a fundraiser, and that was this last weekend, which is why you're wiped out. Yes. And uh, the big exciting news is that the girls got their own piece of property over in Kenya, Mm -hmm. which was announced on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, Blythe was here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, she was was talking about it. so anyway, the land has been secured, and now a well has been dug. And tell us what happened with that and why. Okay, yes. there's no there's no pipes in the ground bringing water to any place outside of the city. 
I mean, it kind of depends where you're at and okay. what people are up to. So there are some wells nearby, but yeah. there's nothing. It's not like in the city, the capital city of Nairobi, Kenya, where the, you turn on your faucet and there's water just like everywhere else. Which is even less reliable, though, than what we would think of. Okay. like So the, the land where the girls are at, mm-hmm. there's no such thing as city plumbing sure where you're just yeah. like oh you build a new house oh yeah. all we got to do is hook it up to yeah, the main line you got it just dig a trench out to the road they're you like, know hook uh, up the gas what's a main line yeah okay um so we have two acres mm-hmm. we drilled a well for several reasons one is to have reliable water on campus for the girls themselves yeah right i mean to have consistent oh water that you can manage filter clean purify and drink bathe cook with we know where it comes from all of it that way we don't have to have water delivered which Mm -hmm. is not only advantage but we also don't have to have pay the expense people yeah pay Mm -hmm. the expense to do it pay the upcharge of having the water you come in from wherever we don't have to have random people showing up all the time to deliver water yeah that can be a, a sensitive issue security for the girls issue mm-hmm. and so so we've got all of that the the thing that i'm most excited though about is there is so much water coming out of that thing mm-hmm. i want the girls to start a business yeah and sell it sure because everyone has to it, we all buy water from somewhere and none of us are collecting rain from our roof <laughs> right okay and, and so uh, except for in the city and particularly in the richer parts of the city but even in large parts of the city you maybe even up to half or so of the population of Nairobi itself. You buy an amount of water. They put it into a tanker truck mm-hmm. and drive the tanker truck to your house. And you'll have a 10,000 yeah, cistern, mm-hmm. 2,500 gallons or so. Yeah. And then they'll pump it into that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've, I've seen really, really nice apartment complexes yeah. that house probably Oh, three or 400 people. With a big water uh, tower on top? 20 of them. 25 no of them. Okay. I mean. This is a regular thing. Mm-hmm. If when you, if you fly over Nairobi in a helicopter. Yeah. Little black dots everywhere. All over the place. Okay. All over the place. So not only to be able to have that and take care of it on our own, mm-hmm. that's huge, but to be able to also sell water from there. Sure. Sell it at a decent price. We can help the immediate community. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a win-win all the way around. So we're all, we're we're working through it. Uh oh, I see no, no, something's no, going on no, there. Um, keep going. I'm gonna. I'll bring it up later. I, yo, please, please do. Nope. Well, nope. I know. Yeah, it's, just make the note. Bring I'm it up writing later. it down. And uh, yeah, so that's that's a great that's great news because it really can turn the property into an asset. Yeah. Where maybe we could, you know, it could be producing income rather than just a constant financial drain absolutely okay so that obviously is the lead up to the segue yes yes okay that's the segue okay so assets speaking of of assets and liabilities okay so what we want to do is because my church the church of grace in grand junction colorado is putting on a financial class or a financial seminar which is going to be we're going to talk about finances for um we have it in the calendar for four weeks we might go a fifth week if there's you know a lot of questions or whatever but we have it planned for uh the first four weeks uh wednesday nights in january 
uh, because of that, uh, every podcast through the month of December, we're going to be talking about money. And I think it's pretty appropriate because if there's ever a time for people in America to kind of go broke or go further into debt, it's usually around the Christmas season where we try to make up for being lousy parents through the whole year by oh, buying our wow. kids a whole bunch of presents that they don't need Perfect. with money that we don't have Excellent. to impress all the people in the world that we don't like. Uh, they, those all so. sound like such Christian things, Patrick. <laughs> so because of that, we're, we're talking about money this whole month. Uh, my wife and I got on last week and talked about it. You and I, Caleb and I are going to next week uh, talk about money and the Bible and Christianity and church and the whole thing. Very cool. So wherever this is going to end up going, you know, I would just like to, you know, keep it uh, in the arena of money. Yes. So let me ask you a question, Zach. Well, the, the only thing I was going to ask is, do you, oh, yeah. do you, I mean, do you know what what Joanna or Caleb or anybody wants to talk about in in particular, just so I don't. Joanna and I talked about money with families and we really got on to mostly we focused on the budget. Okay. Yeah. Having a budget, needing a budget, the idea behind the budget, what the budget fixes kind of, that's what we were talking about as far as Caleb, who knows Uh, he's third in line. So, you know, he's going to get whatever's left over. Take what's left. Yeah. uh, You know, we can go in any direction you want, but let me ask you a question. Do you know what an endowment is? An endowment? No, Patrick, I don't. Why don't you tell us? Well, the reason I bring it up is because I brought this up to the founder and chairwoman of she has a name Mm. and she looked at me with a big blank stare as if she's never heard of the word before and i said okay i said here's what you got to understand for this charity that do you guys call it a charity do you call it a ministry what do you is it depend on the audience you're talking to it's a 501c3 okay um but it's so it's it's a a, it's a ministry sure so there's a church over in nairobi kenya that has boots on the ground locally helping and being a partner in this charity we have one person that Uh talks to the girls um to the to the girls in the program um on a weekly bi-weekly sort of basis one american Mm -hmm. her job is to disciple them okay and is that the wife of the ministry okay no that's tenille i think you know tenille yeah the wife of uh, moses no, 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 no. Oh. She does some work there for us, too, but we have an American who calls and talks with the girl. She's been over a couple times. Oh, and times. she lives in America. Yes. Okay, no. Um, uh, I know who Tanil is. Yes. Okay. Uh, I, I was not aware of that. All right. So, what I was explaining to Blythe is uh, what an endowment is. And I mm-hmm. said, look, what you guys need to be doing, and this is, this is multi-generational vision that we need to add to she has a name okay so this is my suggestion of course lay, lay it on it's me, free man. advice okay it's oh, worth perfect exactly as much as it cost so harvard zach yes do you know how harvard is able to build all those big new fancy buildings and purchase real estate and, and spend money like it's going out of style on all these incredible, amazing, beautiful things to make their campus and their amenities attractive to the next generation of, you know, children that are going to go there. Go to, to Harvard. Yeah, go to Harvard. My guess is going to be with endowment. <laughs> so they have, <laughs> Harvard has an endowment. So they 
collect money from alumni. And what they do is they don't spend all of this money. What they do is they take a portion of it and they set it aside for investments. For investment. Okay. Yes. yes. And that endowment has grown to over $50 billion. Yeah. So this is a concept then that I have pitched for more than several years. I just haven't it called it. Well, yet. I just okay. haven't called it an endowment. Okay. But yeah. so the goal is you take a percentage. What percentage you guys are going to come up with? Mm-hmm. But we mm-hmm. take a percentage and we set it aside and we start investing that and having it grow. And the idea is we do that with every cent that comes in to she has a name. Rather than having like a designated, so like I've I've pitched this most recently with mm-hmm. the with the funds from selling the water, mm-hmm. particularly when we don't have anybody living there yet. Yeah, I mean if it takes us two years to build to, to get a the place wall where, up and to, so here's the seven hundred days of selling water. Okay, so I'm. Have you heard of the book The Richest Man in Babylon? I've heard of it. Okay. I have not read it. It's a great book. Um, you know, and honestly, it's a great one for anybody to uh, use as a uh, audio book. It's told in the style of a story talking about the richest man in Babylon. Obviously, Babylon is a city 90 miles southeast of Baghdad that is, you know, in ruins and is no longer inhabited. But we think of Babylon as being the the capital of a world empire it's you know a biblical empire we read about back in 586 the nation of babylon surrounded um jerusalem laid siege to it and took away all the jews captive including a very famous fellow by the name of daniel Mm -hmm. and daniel moved to babylon and he remained there until the time of his death okay so for that was just for anyone that doesn't know what Babylon is. Not for you. I know that you are caught up at least this far <laughs> in the Bible. Yeah, okay. I know your level of Bible uh, I'm only, interest. I'm in... only allowed to know about three-fifths of yeah. it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> so The Richest Man in Babylon, it, it, it's a phenomenal book. It's a book that I, I think every adult, every Christian should read, their kids should read. It's very easy to go through. But when you're going through uh, The Richest Man in Babylon, uh, one of the sections is how to cure i'm gonna look it up because i boy i just had it and i was going over it but i want to quote it correctly so okay when we're here we're going to go to let's see seven cures for a lean purse Mm. so of the seven cures for a lean purse one of the cures is control thy expenditures And one of the principles in this chapter is that there is a miraculous instance that takes place as soon as your income rises. And that miraculous instance (laughs) is that your necessities immediately rise up to your new level of income. It's just like if you have a bigger house. You got it. All of a sudden, it fills up. Yeah. Fills up with stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so many Christians do this and they make the mistake, whereas we were making $50,000 a year and now three years later, we've gotten raises and we're making $55,000 a year. Well, your income has gone up by 10%. That can be massively helpful to somebody's budget unless 
then I'll have a budget and then all of that money yeah. gets spent. Sure. And everyone says it's on necessities. But if your money can go up as soon as your income rises, then it can also go down. So now you guys have this piece of land and you have this asset. Yes. Okay. That is found money. It is not a line item in the budget yet. Now, could you find a reason for that money? Could you find a use for it? Obviously. Well, sure. Yeah. You have a brand new piece of property. We need to we need to build a wall and we need to lay a foundation for buildings, no buildings and we it. need roads coming in. We need a million things to do. Yes. But all of that <coughs> is a vision for a single generation. So my question to Blythe was, well, what does she has a name look like in a hundred years? And she's like, I mean, we're just trying to get through. Yeah, you we're know. trying to get to June. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we yeah, have yeah. a budget meeting coming up in January. We need <laughs> right. to talk about sure. who's thinking about that. That's what an endowment is for. So the idea is we take a percentage of every dollar that comes in. We take a big percentage of this water. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. So much of it, great. It goes into the general fund and it's going to help with yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. projects sure, we're sure. doing. But there's an amount that what we're going to do is we're going to start investing in. We're going to have that start growing. Yes. And then all of a sudden, the endowment is going to be kicking back an amount of money every year where it can cover one girl. It can cover two girls. It can cover. And all of a sudden, it'll get to a point where the endowment is producing more money than anything else you guys could ever do, no matter yeah. how many people you get this ministry in front of. There's a lot of nonprofits that operate that way. Absolutely. A lot of nonprofits. Sure. Yeah. And everybody should be doing this. Now, that capital fund, you know, that we're going to label the endowment, that, you know, that pool of money, that can be used if emergency strikes if catastrophe happens you have an amazing you know savings account there but you can have that grow to a point where it's like look we really don't need to go out and tell everyone about this and try to get money from people or if we do the only thing we do is we take that money and just add it to the endowment and that ends up being our budget well and there's a lot of people who really enjoy giving that way yes like it's it's amazing to like we we had a little um a little section out there where you you uh there's qr codes and you hit the qr code and mm-hmm. you, there's a little tag that says you know this 50 dollars is going to buy food yeah for one girl for a month sure and like that's yeah in december yeah so and so is going to eat uh-huh. because I because I gave this. this much, and you're like, that's that's, that's really great. cool. To yeah, know exactly. I know what it's doing. But there's a lot of guys that you walk up to, and they go, you know, I'll give you five thousand today. Yes, if you turn it into twenty five thousand to you spend it. it ten years from now, and that's really what you want to do because people that will write you five, six, and seven figure checks, yeah. and they're out there. Oh, sure. Those people have the the reason they're able to write five, six, and seven <laughs> digit checks. They've done it. You got it. Is because they understand the system. They know how money operates, and they know how to work. You know uh, finances to make it last forever. So they would want rather than giving money today. You know, and just giving you a fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't sure. remember where this story came oh, from. No, you know. But instead, yeah. we can teach someone how to fish, and they can have fish forever. You know, so so that's 
that's the idea that I hope ends up happening, you I've, know, yeah, with I've, she hasn't. I've been pushing some, and she's totally open to it. Yeah. Um, I've been, I've been pushing something um, very, very similar. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know that that was the word that yeah. you, yeah, you'd use for it. Yep. But, well, um, and, and to be honest with you, I don't know if it would technically be called an endowment. I don't know if an, I don't know if an endowment is technically supposed to come from alumni of the program. But anyway, I don't know that it has to necessarily. Yeah, but, but that was something else that I brought up is that you guys are going to have alumni. Yeah, and yeah. one of the things these girls should be taught every year, at least along with you know basic finances is this concept that you have a duty okay to support this ministry and help the next girls it doesn't have to be a massive amount it doesn't have to be an amount that puts you out but you are going to get out of here you're going to get a good job you're going to get a husband you're going to have a normal life you're going to be making money and one thing that you need to be able to do is to give back and all that money that comes in from alumni once again Right into the yep, endowment. Into the endowment. You got it. So that way it can last for centuries. Yes. You know, yes. that's the goal. I, let's start with decades. Okay. But, you know. I asked her one time what would happen, um, you know, after she was done. Yeah. And. Again. Yeah. yeah big wide eyes. Like, oh, I never thought about that. You, you know. Ta- what are you talking about? Well, and something good. else you got to remember you always want with a big undertaking like that you want an exit strategy and you should really start planning your exit strategy as soon as you get the ministry going as soon as you get the church going as soon as you get whatever because the fact is we're going to die whether whether we want to or not it's going to happen so we should you know should we should have some type of a vision as far as okay who am i going to pass this on to who am i going to train how's that process going to work and at what point am i going to be able to hand over you know the reins yeah so absolutely okay so um cool. that, that was it. that that's that's good yep what where do you want to go from well, here Zach? you know i what are your thoughts we we had talked i think the extent of of uh focused preparation mm-hmm. that i've done for tonight mm-hmm. other than you know living and operating for 40 years and mm-hmm. being married for 16 and having a family yeah um we did talk a little bit about dave ramsey's baby steps oh yeah some mm-hmm. have you have you tackled debt yet on just, me just personally sort of, oh no i mean just in general on the podcast as you're as you're teaching through no okay so do you want to go well like, we could talk about that in we a could, biblical we could talk about debt yeah. for a little bit because i am just um i, I circled back around recently yeah. to to some of dave ramsey's um teachings a yeah. little bit Jess and I took the financial peace class. Oh uh, gosh, we must have been just married mm-hmm. before Ellie was born. Yeah. Um. And so, we we have lived with no debt or extremely low mm-hmm. debt for our entire marriage. Okay. And I got to tell you, it's the only way I can live life the way that I do now. Yeah. If I had even just two car payments, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd have to quit both of the things I'm doing now and go find another job. Sure. You know, so it's 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 created a lot of freedom for us. 
But um, I boy, when you start thinking about some of the statistics mm-hmm. on debt, when you you're talking about an endowment that grows, yeah. Well, debt is money that you never had that mm-hmm. you already spent, yeah. And by the time you pay it off, yeah, you've paid more than you would have spent. Oh yeah, if you had it. Yeah, it, it's it's the compound interest, but it works backwards. Yeah. It works against you, and it, it's just um, I mean that's a noose. Well, a lot of people don't, and a, the, the, one of the worst parts is that the way people get into debt is they actually um, typically get into the absolute worst type of debt, and that type of debt is credit card debt yeah. because it is such a high interest rate. So to give you to give you an example, if you ended up uh, with a twenty six hundred dollar uh, credit card uh, balance. So if you end up with, and, and this is from memory, so forgive me if this is not correct, but I want to say if you, if you end up with a $2,600 uh, credit card debt, and which l- let's call the average um, 20% APR, that's the oh, interest. Yeah. And that's, that's low for today. Oh, okay, it's, that's low for today. But let's say that uh, you owe uh, that amount of money. You stop using the credit card and you only pay the minimum payment you are going to end up paying over six thousand dollars to pay off that you know twenty five hundred dollars and it's going to take you something like 15 years goodness oh yeah dozen 15 years so you're really paying about 260 percent per dollar for the purchases you're making. And that's what people don't understand is that when you go out and buy things with a credit card, you and the wife go out for your anniversary, you have a real nice meal, it's $100, you put it on the credit card because you don't have the money, and then you just pay the minimum payment, you are going to be in, you're going to end up paying $260 for that meal because you paid it on a credit card and you paid it off over a dozen years yeah. rather than simply saving up the money and just living, you know, within your means. The problem is living within our means isn't really all that fun or sexy, you know? Oh it's, yeah, clearly. <laughs> responsibility is not exciting. <laughs> That's not you don't say. Yeah, there's not yeah. a big, you know, dopamine dump in your brain from responsibility. <laughs> so that so, I didn't go out yeah, and eat today. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, People are, you know, really willing to get into debt and stay into debt because, you know, shiny, fun, exciting things like four wheelers and snowmobiles and new vehicles and all these things. Usually we can only get them through debt because we can't afford them. That's what it comes down to. So what we do is we pay for them a little bit out of time. I always tell every Christian, I say, look, go downtown to the biggest building in any major city. Sure. It's owned by a bank. It is owned by a bank that issues credit cards. That's how they get them. So when we go through the Bible, and I think I just, I found it here in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 28. Let me see. Yeah, here in Deuteronomy chapter 28, just to give everyone, you know, the tiny little um, kind of background on it uh the first oh 14 13 14 verses are about all the blessings that you're going to have in your life if you obey god 
And then after that, uh, from verses 15, oh boy, all the way down to like <laughs> verse 68, yeah. are all the curses that you're going to have on your life if you don't obey God. And one of the blessings, it says, the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto the, thy land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. So lending and not borrowing is considered a blessing. And then later on, when we read through the curses, God talks about how borrowing is a curse. So a lot of Christians I've heard tell people that debt equals sin. And I don't believe that. I don't believe the Bible says that anywhere. But what the Bible does say is that it is a curse and the borrower is servant to the lender. Yes. So you are literally a slave to he whom you owe money to. So yeah. if that's what the Bible says, then I should not want to get into debt. I should I should do everything I can to get out of debt and stay out of debt for my entire life. It's a curse and it is as if I am in slavery. Zach, have you ever been a slave? Um well, yes. <laughs> I mean, a but not working like, on a chain gang. Okay, I've not been like digging ditches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've like not been owned by another individual. Kidnapped. Yeah, and no, no, I have not. Well, let me tell you, <laughs> it doesn't look appealing. No, no, no. I have not. not been a slave either, but I've read plenty about it. I've, <laughs> you know, I've seen some great movies that are pretty colorful. And no aspect of it seems to be great. And Christians all over American churches are voluntarily putting themselves into slavery and thinking that they are bettering themselves. To used car salesmen. Yeah, used car salesmen. <laughs> it, it's absolutely insane. So, again, I don't say that debt is... A sin, a sin because it's not I, I, I if someone can show me that in the bible please show it to me is it a curse absolutely mm -hmm. is it like you're a slave absolutely should you avoid it at all cost absolutely yeah but i will also explain to people if you are going to get into debt there is a biblical way to do it and i don't oh yeah please, please show okay yeah so and I, I, my, I, my laptop i literally left outside with all of my notes so i'm like just trying to just trying, trying to hey, re re yeah re remember all these verses as we go so bear with me no, this this is good no I, yeah. I, I i'm i'm interested to hear this because clearly um and, and uh, like i said it's been a while since i've gone through everything on this as well yeah um Okay, so even if ahead. you just talk about advantage and disadvantage, yeah, if you are spending mm -hmm. four hundred dollars a month on a payment, yeah, for an asset that is decreasing, and by the time you get to the end of it, mm -hmm. you finally owe it, mm -hmm. it breaks down, you have to do it again, sure, or you own the asset completely out of the gate and you spend the four hundred dollars buying or investing in assets that increase in mm -hmm. value then over the course of time 
having no debt is going to be a gigantic advantage. You're absolutely right. You're tying up money, future money, and giving it away and and getting nothing in return. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let me explain this. Go to Psalm chapter 37, and I'm going to go down to verse 12. Nope, that's not it. Let me see that again. Psalm 37, verse 21. There's my dyslexia. (laughs) Psalm 37, verse 21. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. Mm. So what the wicked do is they borrow and they don't pay it back. That is wicked in God's eyes. If we do that as a Christian, God considers us wicked. Let me tell you, Zach, wicked people are not blessed of God. There is no blessings that come with wickedness and sin. So here's the problem. Christians borrow. Did you find it? 37 verse 21. I I was just trying to do something here. No, no, no. You're good. Something up. So what Christians do is they borrow incorrectly all the time. Now, let me start by saying this. You don't want to borrow anything, or I should say, you don't want to borrow for anything. With that being said, there's one really difficult purchase to make without borrowing, and that is a home. That is correct. Okay, the property and the house, it's such a massive purchase. In order to be able to save up and, and make that purchase in cash, it's very, very difficult for the average person. Depending on the industry you're in and the amount of money, maybe you can do it. And that's sure. wonderful if you can. But for the average person, it's impossible. So we're going to talk about that. But I also want to just go over the whole concept of borrowing on the second largest item that we typically borrow money on, and that is the automobile. Mm -hmm. So number one, rule number one, never, ever, 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 ever buy a brand new vehicle. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Because it loses one fifth of its value. 20% of its value is gone the second you drive it off the lot. By the time you sit in it and sign the paperwork. So that means that you buy a vehicle, brand new vehicle. I don't know what a brand new vehicles go for. You're buying a brand new pickup truck for 50 grand. Sure. An outrageous amount, right? The, you know, people used to buy houses for not a whole lot, yeah, right, whole lot right, more. Right. Yes. But now we're buying vehicles. So you buy a brand new pickup truck for $50,000. $50, you drive it off the lot and it's immediately worth $40,000. <laughs> now you bought it on some kind of stupid loan where you put zero money down. So you owe $50,000 on that truck. Your insurance company is covering that truck, but they are covering that truck for the value of the truck to replace the truck. In full. You got it. Yeah. Okay, so if you, who are upside down on this truck, end up wrecking this truck, will your insurance cover the amount that you owe on this truck? My point being, sure. can you see Christians? Because they won't. Yeah. Christians don't understand that it is your responsibility to make sure that the person who sold you that truck, that auto dealer, it is your responsibility to make sure that they are made whole. Otherwise, 
you just broke Psalm 37, verse 21, for the wicked borroweth and payeth not again. You can't say, oh, well, my insurance company only, you know, did the depreciated value of the truck after it's a year old. And guess what? The payments that I was paying on the truck didn't go down to get past the initial 20% that I already lost by driving the vehicle off the lot. So that means that, you know, there's still money left. Well, you owe that money. It's your responsibility to make sure they are made whole now i tell everyone what you should be doing is you should be saving up money so the day that your vehicle dies you have money to replace it this happened to joanna and i yes it did back when we had the excursion so i don't remember how many years ago that was it was five years ago maybe more and we had a Ford excursion. We loved it because we had a big family. Mm-hmm. We needed an SUV with third row seating. And we saved up money. And we've always been big, big savers and, and really a, a big believer in this concept. So we were saving money for the eventual one day the vehicle is going to die and we're going to need another one. And we do not want to have vehicle payments. The excursion was owned free and clear. Yes. Yes. So. All of a sudden, this thing, we're driving up onto the Mesa, and the transmission goes out and just melts down into a puddle, and the thing is dead, okay? So we don't want to spend all that money to rehab a vehicle that was that old and had that many miles, so we had it towed. We ended up selling the vehicle, uh, you know, several months later for, you know, a couple thousand dollars, but we needed to go and buy a vehicle. We ended up finding... Uh, a Toyota Sequoia because you got to remember we needed a vehicle with third row seating to fit my wife and six kids and we needed it soon yeah we weren't going to look all over the world and and wait for months like you know I'm going to work she needs to be able to go around and tote all these kids around (laughs) so we go around town we find a vehicle that we like ended up being eighteen thousand dollars after taxes and whatnot it was like 20 grand and we're like yeah that's a lot of money yeah okay that is is not you know that is gonna really hurt the budget you know the payment on twenty thousand dollars with zero down that's gonna be like a six hundred dollar payment yes zach do you know how many people have six hundred dollar automobile payments I would guess that as a family. All of them. I was going to say, All yeah, of them. It's probably average. It's insane the number yeah. of people that have four, five, six, seven hundred $700 automobile payments. So many of them, it would make you sick to your stomach. So Joanna and I are like, okay, you know, we need the vehicle. And we're like, but wait a minute. We're on the savings plan. We put money aside every month. And we go home to the safe that's right behind you. And we crack it open. We find a white envelope. Yep. that says new car on it yep. and we open that up and, and we count it out and guess what fourteen thousand dollars hey 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 now, it was not 20 sure but let me tell you fourteen thousand dollars down on that car yes sure made a difference in the payment you bet it does and then we said okay now we're in a debt we don't like being here so we stopped everything our money was going towards and we threw it all at that vehicle and that you know, $6,000 we had remaining on that vehicle had it paid off in one year. One year. Under 12 months. Yeah. And boom, yeah. without Done. a payment. Okay. So then we're back to our plan. We're saving up because the vehicle is going to be needed. Okay. And we go through that process and we save and we save. And there's a percentage that we set aside every single month of whatever dollar comes in. 
And for us, we're self-employed. So yeah. we don't deal yeah. with dollar amounts. We deal with percentages. Yeah. yeah okay. Because yeah. one month we make very little and <laughs> yeah, one month yeah. we make a lot more. So sure. being self-employed, it, it's all over the place. So we deal with percentages for our budget line items. Mm. So we set aside, set aside, set aside. All of a sudden it comes to the same point where my work truck, almost yes. 30 years old. Wow. Okay. Uh, is 28 years old. Everything's falling apart on this thing. And it's like, okay, it's time. Like we're spending so much money rehabbing this thing. And yeah. it's the kind of vehicle where you got to lower the window and reach through the window and open the door from the outside handle because oh, the speaking, inside ones are. Yeah, you're speaking my language. <laughs> yeah. Man. So it's one of those where nothing works. The radio doesn't work. You know, the lights are not working. They're held in with duct tape. I mean, it, that, that's how I deal with vehicles. I drive them until they're in pieces. Yeah. So we finally found a great deal. We find a vehicle that's going to work work yada 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 once again what do we do sure. we go back to the safe we, back to safe. we open up an envelope guess how much is in the envelope every single dollar we need that van we bought yeah bought it for cash cash you wow. got it nice so the first vehicle you know we bought when we were newly married and just dumb as rocks oh yeah we had a couple hundred dollars to throw at the down payment yes, you know yes, yes. and it's like this sucks <laughs> So we, we learned, you know, we've read Dave Ramsey books and we've gotten on a good plan for saving and we've been doing this. And Zach, now you've only known me in this house, right? Yes, that's correct. That's correct. So you never knew me in our downtown hundred year old two bedroom, 900 square foot house we lived in with eight kids. Jess and I were in, now we only had two kids, Mm -hmm. but we were in a two bedroom apartment down by the college for 11 years yeah yeah yep yeah so all of the years of my marriage we've never lived really flashy lives we've never had super nice vehicles we've never dressed in the nicest you know clothing we don't go on big rich vacations we don't do any of those things um we have always tried to control thy expenditures yeah okay we live as low as far below our means as we can so that we have the money to save so that when the big problem hits we can throw cash at it Mm -hmm. and we don't have to worry about being in debt being a slave being under a curse yep and we don't have to worry about psalm 37 21 borrowing and not being able to pay back now in the same way back in 2008 that's when we bought our first house oh yeah you're, you're, we bought our first house at the tippy 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 top and it's not this one that no, you built. no 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 yeah, hundred yeah. year old house downtown okay yeah. right at the very top of the bubble right before it popped <laughs> and all real estate just went crashing down yeah. and you know we lost like 40 50 percent of the value of our home you know over the course of a year and a half kind of oh, like just gosh. oh yeah i mean it was bloody we bought a house right then we we i have never lost a I have never blown a gasket and yelled at somebody yeah. like I did to our realtor when we were looking for houses. Whoa. 
and now this I can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. And the reason was, I said, and this was this was my fault. I used a friend as a realtor. Don't ever use a friend as a realtor ever. Oh, but so and so just got their license. Don't use them. Okay, it's a professional relationship. Yeah, hire a professional. Do not use a friend. So I told our friend, okay, who was the wife of my friend. Oh, boy. I said, look, this is what we can afford. I had a number. Yeah. I knew the interest rates. Mm -hmm. I knew what the loan payment was going to be. I said, this is what we can afford. This is the money we have to put down. Yada, yada, yada. I did the math. How many houses before you got to the one you could afford? So that was the that was the problem. So the first one they brought us that we were brought to was like, okay, we looked at it and we're like, it's not bad, but you know, we're going to we're going to keep looking. And then she she what she would do is she would send us an email with the info sheet on this house, you know, um before we would go and look at it. And yeah. she'd be like, yeah, uh, these are the 3 that I found. And I would look at the 3 and all of them were like fifty, seventy-five thousand dollars more than what I said I could afford. Yeah, you know. And I called her up and I was like, "Hey, what's going on?" She's like, "What do you mean?" I said, "You're sending me houses that are way over what I said I could afford." Now she said, because obviously you do the paperwork yeah. with your realtor who usually introduces you to a lender and this is something people need to understand you pick the lender it's not up to your realtor your realtor works for you and you get to choose the lender don't just go with whatever lender they say because they're picking their friend well guess what (laughs) then your friend of a friend of a friend and the realtor and the lender how do they make their money they make a percentage off of what they sell you well clearly so they want you, they want to upsell you. So the lender is like, you know, Patrick's saying he wants a house for 150000 And the realtor is like, for first of all, which is illegal. Okay. <laughs> They're not supposed to be, you know, conspiring yeah. against you. Like I, My percentage on yeah. that is no good. Yeah, that's not, it's barely worth selling this thing. 225. Okay. I got to do an hour and a half of work to make a commission on a $115,000 house. That's not acceptable. Okay. So, so they're talking and they're like his numbers. Cause the, the, the lender has your social and your bank statements and your taxes and the whole, they know what, they, they can go, oh this guy can afford this guy can afford 225 yeah sure so sure. guess what the realtor starts showing us uh-huh. okay and i'm and she says yeah but you can afford this and these houses are going for a steal oh they sure. should be listed at three hundred thousand dollars okay you should be thanking your lucky stars that i'm bringing you these things meanwhile next week it's going to be a hundred yeah, yeah, yeah exactly sure, sure. They, they can't see into the future and I'm like, uh, I'm like, you know, no, we're, you know, we got to find something else. And uh, we look at another house and we're like, eh, and we're like, okay, you know, find some more. And the same thing, I'm getting all these houses that are way over. And we meet um, and, and she is like, you know, let me just show you this one. It is so amazing. You, you, you know, you and your wife are going to love it, you know? And for me, I'm thinking, yeah, I don't doubt I'm going to love it. It's a really expensive, beautiful house, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. why <laughs> I can't afford it. 
So we go to the house and we look at it and she starts selling my wife. She's oh, not yeah. even talking to me. Oh, just think of what you can do here and look at this and all this stuff. And, you know, and she's talking about it. And I tell her again, I say, look, here's the deal. We can afford this. And she's like, well, you know, but you really can afford more. And, you know, this is such a good deal. And I lose my mind and I just scream at her. Oh, I gosh. said, well, are you going to fork up the extra 75 grand? <laughs> you know, and eyes are like this big. I said, because oh, I'm not. So if you want my signature on a piece of paper, you will find me a house for this price or you're fired. <laughs> Holy cow. You are so hardcore, man. That's hilarious. So anyway, I found a house. Wow. Yeah, I'm driving around, not looking for a house, and this guy walks out to the front yard and sticks a sign in the ground. <laughs> you watching him do it as you drive I by? I pull in the driveway. <laughs> I jump out. I don't even talk to him. I look in two windows of the house that had shades up, and I call my realtor. I told her the address. I said, make an offering for the asking price. <laughs> Bought a house for $130,000. Oh, man. You are just, you know, I talked to your mom the other day. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I, I always got stories. Oh, yeah. Sure. So, but that, how long were you there? We were there, I want to say, 10 years. Oh, okay. Now, we held on to it for about 15, and we kept it out as, as a rental. You were still renting that when I met you there. Yeah. And when so we sold, you it, sold it. Yeah. It Zach, when we sold it, I ended up walking away from the table with a cashier's check for $175,000. Wow, yeah. yeah. After the bank was paid off. Yeah. And I know part of the deal with with Ramsey's deal is that mm -hmm. one of the reasons why the home is, um, yeah, you so, don't want to say like good debt or no, whatever. No, 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 but, but here's how it works. Yeah. When we bought our house, we did a conventional loan mm -hmm. and we put down 20%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that way... Okay, even if you die the next day, yes, you get a horrible disease, you lose your job, whatever catastrophe hits, yeah, the bank can be made whole because they already now repossess the house and own an asset yes. for 80% of the value. Yes. They bought this house because you already gave them 20% down. So they are in a position where if you... When you're paying down your mortgage over the, let's say you sign a 15-year mortgage, which is what we encourage yeah, people to preferable. do, you, you, you're paying down that house every month for 15 years. You will never be in a position where if something happens and that lender, that bank, has to eat the house and they have to repossess the house and then try to sell it to, be, to get to recoup their money, yeah. they will not be at a it. loss. And that is the Christian way to purchase things if you have to go into debt. Now, the goal is that you get out of debt and you never get back into debt again other than right. to buy a home. You buy your cars with cash. You buy vacations with cash. You buy everything in your life with cash. But if you're going to buy a home, you put 20% down, you get a 15-year mortgage, and then your lender can be made whole. 
Is is twenty percent sort of a magic number there, or well, does, that, so, does that shift and move? Okay, so here's the thing: if you're doing a conventional loan, it used to be twenty percent. Yeah. Then it went down to ten percent. It might even be lower. I'm going to have to check. Yeah. The problem. Okay, so again, here's the problem: what far too many Christians do is they listen to their realtor and their lender as to what they can afford. Well, Patrick, they're experts. Yeah. Okay. You cannot listen to those people. Because if you listen to them and you buy the house that just because a bank will loan you an amount of money does not mean you should borrow that amount of money. Oh, sure. Sure. People go to the mat. What can we borrow? And then it's like, well, that's not enough to get the house of our dreams. So let's borrow 20 grand from mom and dad as well. And let inflation changes by 1%. You got it. And all of a sudden everything falls apart. And that's the problem is you cannot overbuy on your house. If you make that one mistake, you can take years and years of sound financial planning in your life and just flush it down the toilet with one massive stupid purchase. You cannot take the maximum amount of money that the bank will loan you. That Just because the bank will give you that money, it doesn't mean <laughs> that you can afford it. Yeah. So you want to borrow an amount of money that you can afford. You want to put down a massive amount of money as a down payment. You do want to put down 20%, okay? Yeah, yeah. Just because they will let you put down 10%, you shouldn't do it. Just because you can get an FHA loan and you can put down 3%, you shouldn't do it. And just because you can borrow 105% of the value of the house with nothing down and then take the extra 5% and fill it with brand new furniture does not mean you should do it. Mm -hmm. And that's what people do. People all of a sudden, they just see big, new, shiny stuff and they want it all and they borrow to the max and then they turn around and they realize, man, we can't afford this. This is another problem that people don't understand. Do you know what mortgage insurance is? It's deadbeat insurance. That's what it is. Do you know why mortgage insurance came around? Mortgage insurance came around back uh, during the era of Bill Clinton because Bill Clinton said that um, people all not being able to buy a house is racist. And there are certain people that you know, disproportionately are not able to get into a home. Get a house. Yeah. Now, Bill Clinton said that those were minorities. They weren't minorities that weren't getting into homes, Zach. They were poor people poor that couldn't people afford homes. Okay. Sure. sure so course. that's why they weren't getting into homes. So all of a sudden, bada bing, presto changeo, <laughs> magic fairy dust, and now we're going to loan uh, money to everybody under the sun and everybody can get into the house. Well, that didn't change the fact that everybody couldn't afford a house. Sure. So all of a sudden, guess what goes up? Foreclosures. Foreclosures. So then what they said was, okay, we're starting to lose our shirt on all these foreclosures because even though we are getting these properties, the properties are not being well-maintained. The people still owe us money. We got to fight to get the people out of the properties. We got to put them up for sale. And if the market goes down, we can't sell them for what we need. So we're taking a bath on these houses. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to charge everybody. Sure. That doesn't own 80% of the equity of their house. PMI. We are going to charge everybody deadbeat insurance and everybody is going to chip in so that we, the banks, don't take a bath when we start foreclosing on your homes that you cannot afford. (laughs) 
That's what happened. Well, they're experts. (laughs) So people buy homes that are too expensive that they can't afford. Then they put too little money down or no money down if they can. I mean, people would literally borrow 120% of the value of their house with no money down and move in and not think about it at all. And what you end up doing is you end up paying hundreds of dollars extra per month, every month. Yes. And you don't pay that until you get the equity in your house where you pay off 20% and you have 20% equity and only 80% of the value of the house you owe on. Even when you get down to that number, you still pay that PMI for the entire term of your loan until you refinance the loan, which when you do that, it's going to cost you several more thousands of dollars Yes. Okay, to refinance your own home. And guess what? Interest rates might've gone up by then. It sure could Okay, have. so now all of a sudden your payments are going up again. So you want to come to the closing with 20% down in order to purchase this house. And when you purchase the house, the, the purchase should be no more than 25%. The, the total cost of the house should be no more than 25% of your um, take-home pay. The you like payment, the, you like the, the monthly 25% pay. number. I yeah. like less. Okay, yeah. the well, monthly sure, sure. the monthly payment should be uh, less than twenty five percent of your net of your monthly net. Yep. Now, nobody wants to do that. Nobody well, likes no, because the when house. you run, yeah, when you run the numbers and you look at the house, yeah, and you it's go, like I don't want to live never here. Never mind. Yeah, well, but, <laughs> and then well, do you? Uh, what do you do about? Well, this house stinks. Mm-hmm but I'm renting this other place. Mm-hmm. Do you, where, where do you, where do you make a decision as far as like you move into the, to the crappy house where the numbers work, you keep on renting at the place that you feel more comfortable with is nicer, but you're renting. Mm-hmm. What, what do you do about? Well, a couple things. Number one, number one, it comes to what you got to do is major purchases like this, especially a house. You cannot make the purchase with emotions which is the way we usually purchase things. That's why we buy houses we can't afford and cars that we can't afford and shouldn't have. And too much sugar and whatever yeah. else. Sure. So what we want to do is we want to make a purchase based on the numbers. So the, the, the situation that you're in is if you are renting, are you saving money? Are you setting extra money aside every month where the amount that you're saving is going up continually and you will one day be able to purchase a home that you want? Okay, then you should continue doing that until you have the money. Yeah. Now, the biggest problem, when, when you go over finances with people, what I found is that every single person I have ever talked to about financial problems is willing to make one massive change in order to fix their finances. A particular one? The or same just, one. Oh, okay, okay. Everybody is willing to make more money. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say, like, die. (laughs) Yeah, they're willing to make more money. Everyone is just fine with that one change. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll just make more money. That'll fix the problem. I'm willing to do that, Patrick. Sure. Oh, well, God bless you. (laughs) Zach, do you know that making more money is not the solution to almost anyone's financial problems well no because we we've talked about that some you could spend more you could yeah there's all kinds of stuff you, got that it. you could screw it up yeah. it gets even worse than that 
So making more money usually causes more problems because it is the mismanagement of money that creates the problem. Did you ever wonder why so many people that win the lottery file for bankruptcy within a year and they're worse off <laughs> yeah, than they yeah. were? Okay, yeah, sure, it's a mess. Yeah, they just got a windfall of millions of dollars. How could they possibly be in financial trouble? The reason they're in financial trouble is because they have no concept of how to manage money. Yes. They don't have a plan for it. We call that plan a budget. So what do they do? They do the same irresponsible spending that they did before they won the lottery. Yes. You want to know one of those irresponsible spending habits that they had before they won the lottery? Um, lottery tickets? Buying lottery tickets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so more money will typically not help a person out. <clears throat> when people make more money, they usually make a major stupid purchase. Do you know how we spell stupid in the financial sector? Oh, oh tell me. It's a four-letter word. B-O-A-T. <laughs> okay, that's how we spell stupid in finance. I got a buddy Boat. who said that, yeah, he, he started talking about instead of, he got so sick of talking about $1,000 increments mm -hmm. when, he, when he, was, he had a sailboat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like in a harbor in Charlotte, North Carolina or yeah. something. He just started calling him boat units. Yeah. Because it's, he's like, <laughs> it, he's feels like, better it feels better than saying $1,000. Like, oh, it was seven boat units. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, John, that's, <laughs> that's insane. $500. Yeah. He's like, shh. Yeah. No, no, no. Boat, boat units. units. <laughs> so do you know what a boat is in the financial industry? No, no, no. He okay. a, th the, this the, is a real one. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. a boat in the financial industry is a hole in the water that you fill with money. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. That's it what a boat never, is. Yeah, yeah, you can't. So when people get a bunch more money, they start making more money, they usually make a stupid, I don't want to say investment, they make a stupid purchase, they buy um, a liability mm, like yes. a boat. Now, here's another thing. A lot of people don't understand that in finances, a house is a liability. And you will hear almost nobody say that. Houses are liabilities because... Well, that's, yeah, that's where we're getting to. Okay, I see you now. <clears throat> yeah. Because what happens is as soon as you get the house, you don't start producing income Correct. from that house. It actually adds up additional expenditures. Yes, so now all of a sudden you have renovations and improvements. You have property extra tax. space of, uh, uh, for furniture. Mm -hmm. You have um, property taxes. You have, so you are constantly spending money on this thing you call an asset. Mm -hmm. There is zero cash flow with most houses. It is usually a constant expense. So the house is not helping you get ahead. Now, no. some people might buy a house and then sell it. Sure, sure, sure. But if you want to turn your house from a liability into an asset, it's easy to do. Move out. Sell it, yeah. No, just move just out. Just move out. And then have the people that move in pay you. Pay money. you. Sure. And they are going to probably pay you a lot more than your mortgage payment. Bada bing, your house is now an asset. It's yeah. no longer a liability. 
but people have the wrong idea. So more money, they make a stupid purchase. And I'm not saying that a house is a stupid purchase. No, 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 no. Okay, a house is a place that we need to live, but I don't want people thinking that it's an asset. Once in a while, houses will do you well when you make the purchase and then, you know, years down the road, you make a sale and you can make money on it. I'm not saying sure, that sure, you can. Sure. It, it does increase in value. You got it. Yeah. It can. Sure. It doesn't can. always. Okay, no, 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 people yeah. say that they are wrong. Not ever. No, yeah, not every time for no. sure. Okay, not my first house. Right in two thousand and eight. Talk about tell the okay. Talk to the people that bought in the uh, middle of the summer of two thousand eight who wanted to sell in the middle of the summer of two thousand nine that their house was an asset. Yeah, now, yeah. Why did foreclosures go through the roof? Why? Because people were upside down on their mortgage. They bought the house for $300,000. Then boom, uh, 2008 housing uh, market collapse. All of a sudden, over the course of the next uh, calendar year, uh, they are down 30, 40% on the yeah. value of their oh, house. Gosh. So now their house is worth $90,000 less than it was when they first bought it. So they have a house valued at $210,000. They bought it one year ago for yeah. $300,000. That was an amazing investment, okay, that, which was an asset. And now something happened in their life. They have to move. They got a new job. They lost their job. They Okay, so now they have this house and they need to sell it. Well, guess what? You can sell it. Sure, sure. But you have to come up with a check for $90,000 to hand to the bank. Yeah. And then you walk away with nothing. Yes. So that's the problem with everyone like, oh, houses always go up. They always go up. Okay. If you want to say they always go up over the course of 40 years. Sure. Right, 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 right. Okay. But that's not what we're dealing with. We're talking about our primary residency. We're not talking about a real estate investment. Yeah, right. And if you can say that once I buy this, I do not need the money for 10 years or more. All right. Well, that's fine. Yeah, fair enough. That's a lot different. But to to buy a house and be under the illusion that it's going to go up in value. And whenever I sell it, I'm going to be fine. Yeah. So three years from now, you got it. You don't know that. And and where are we right now with housing prices in the Valley? (sighs) Highest they've ever been in the history of the world? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So sure. Do we honestly think it's going to just keep going up and up and up? Isn't that what was going on in 2006, 7, and 8? I was going to say, I think I remember something about this before. This is exactly what happened, and it's happening again. And everyone, every realtor, every lender, they're all saying the same thing. They're like, oh, yeah, buy whatever you want. It's just going to keep going up. You're an idiot. (laughs) They're experts. Yeah. So anyway, you're renting. You don't have a house. You can't afford the house that you want. Do you switch over and buy something just to get out of renting? I don't think you do. What I, you and we didn't. Yeah, you want you want to make a purchase that makes sense that you can afford that'll be something that you and your family can live with. Because remember, when you make that purchase, maybe you have to live in it five years, maybe you have to live in it ten years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you need to live in it with that plan. When we bought the downtown house, $130,000, I don't know how much my house went down. I can't imagine a $130,000 house went down the same 30 35 40% as all the other houses because yeah. it was already a 100-year-old <laughs> You right. know, house that hadn't been remodeled since the 60s. Sure. Oh, that's awesome. You see, so I have trouble believing yeah. that it went down that much. 
my wife one day looked it up and she told me, I don't remember the number she said, but she's like, oh man, our house is worth so much less. So what are we going to do? I said, sweetie, it's only worth less if we, if we sell, sell it. it. Sure. Yeah. And we're not planning it. on selling yeah, it. We're going to live in it. We live in it. We like living in it. Everything is fine. Okay. So <clears throat> if you can make that purchase, it's a place that you want to live. You know, those are your plans. That's great. You also don't get to make plans because you don't you have. Do you do not yeah, know. You don't know. So you don't know what's going to happen. So my only point is um, save up the money, buy the house when it makes financial sense. When you can put 20% down, you get a 15-year mortgage, and then you're going to be in the best position. So no matter what happens, yeah, you can deal with it, or you will have the best chance of dealing with it right? that anyone has. Sure. So that's really what you want to do. I don't think people should just rush to hurry up and get in a house and buy a house. Save up the money, wait another year look look harder start looking around and asking people i know folks who have got you can go the and again you know we're kind of on real estate and that's kind of where we settled out which is fine if you want and i have friends that are big into real estate i'm into real estate i've bought and sold lots of properties all over the country i'm a fan of real estate i don't want anyone thinking that i'm not but there's a difference yeah almost every single property i've ever purchased for real estate has been a cash sale. Wow. Bought the thing for cash and that's it. Yeah. Okay. And that way I knew, well, I can afford it. Sure. Sure. Okay. There, you know, all I owe is taxes, you know, once a year and that's it. And depending on where you're buying it, sometimes those aren't very much. So for me, I, I am a fan of real estate, but I have a few friends that have actually gone up to junkers, dumps, and they knock on the door and they have a conversation with the people and they're like, well, listen, you know, uh, are you in need of money? You know, and a lot of times it's an elderly person. They can't keep up on their home. And all of a sudden you got their attention. And it's like, well, look, you know, do you owe any money on the house? No, I don't. Great. You're in a perfect position. I have cash. I can give it to you. What do you say? We strike up a deal. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you take this amount of money and there are several ways to do it. You can tell them I will drop all the paperwork and you will carry the note. So I will make monthly payments to you. Mm. And you, after this long, have the right to call in the note whenever you want. So if you need a lump sum, yeah, you can get it. But just remember, and you can show them, say, look, this is your tax burden. So if you sell it, you're going to owe this much in taxes. But... If you sell it to me and you carry the note, then I make a monthly payment to you every month and you're able to move into and rent this nice, yeah. modestly sized condo that fits you. You don't have to mow the grass. You don't have to paint the siding. You don't have to do any of these things. And this payment will cover it. And they're like, holy cow, that'd be amazing. Well, sure. So I've had several friends that have worked out deals like that. Those deals do exist. Most people aren't willing to put in the footwork. They're not willing to figure it out. They're not willing to knock on the doors and talk to people. But you can get great deals, and those deals can benefit you and the seller who's selling you the property. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's easy to find, sure, but I've sure, found sure. lots of deals. Yeah. So <clears throat> if you're willing save up some more money, do a little bit of legwork, uh, do, do a little bit of legwork, find a good deal. That is the reason to buy a house. 
not because you hate where you live and you want something new and shiny. The, the, yeah. The, and not the like, oh, the vision is nice. Yeah. And, the, and yeah. I have to, I have to hurry up and buy a house because I'm just throwing away money on rent. Yeah, you are throwing away money on rent. But guess what? When you get a mortgage, you're throwing away a lot of money on interest on the mortgage. Yes, you are. Okay, yes, I understand we're trying to pay off this house that might be worth something one day. And we want to do that. We want to be homeowners. Sure, sure. But, you know, know, three months, six months isn't going to, a year, it's not going to make a difference. Save up the money. Save up the money so that you can put yourself in a good position. Because if something bad happens, again, you got to remember, with the larger purchases, one big stupid mistake can set us back years oh yeah with sound financial planning flush down the toilet now we got to make up for this massive mistake yep 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 no doubt about it what about i mean you guys built this place yes right and so is is that uh since we're just i got two real estate questions give them to me man so i i'm I'm interested in building the place Mm-hmm. from the bottom up on your own mm-hmm. i know a little bit about how you use some different contractors you did a lot of your own work yeah um I'll, i'm also wondering if you ever uh in your real estate deals have you ever just purchased raw land yeah as a matter of fact that's most of what i've purchased just raw land absolutely yeah and you so i've bought land uh several different ways okay i bought um I bought land that was, <clears throat> you know, reasonably priced. I've bought land through uh, tax lien auctions where I got the land for a song. But here's the thing. Um, the way we did it with, okay, so this. Well, this, this land you bought to build on. We did. But, but again, this land only made sense because of a few factors. We had a house that was livable. We actually had two. So we had the 100-year-old house that's just fallen apart that we're in the process the, of demoing. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's on yeah, the property. Yeah. Then we had an illegal small house that is still on the property that was called an agric- agricultural temporary dwelling. Aha. Uh-huh. So the way it worked is that all this land that was farmland was mostly fruit trees and what would happen is uh temporary agricultural uh workers would come through the area that pick the fruit that prune the trees that move on to the next you know Hmm. square mile and there'd be all these six eight ten twelve acre lots every mile would have a agricultural temporary dwelling one farmer would have a bunkhouse for these folks to stay in and they'd move from one to the next during the seasons and they'd be working these farms so my property was the one that had this illegal dwelling i called up the county and asked them if i could get an accessory dwelling permit and turn it into a livable unit mm. and they said sure okay the county you know they needed money like they normally do and they said <laughs> yeah we'll take the permits yeah and what we did was we looked at uh, what we were getting the property for. What and, and you got to remember, uh, this property was given to us by God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say that till the day I die. We looked for a property that would work for us for eight years. 
<laughs> Seriously, eight years. We prayed wow. and we looked and we gave up and got discouraged and we prayed and we looked and we gave up and we got discouraged and we did it for years and years and years. We did not have the money. God did not have the property for us. <clears throat> the timing all came together on this property when we had the money set aside after years and years and years of saving up. And we got this property um, where we called the bank and asked the bank about it. And I think it was like a, a 114,000 or something like that. And then um, we were talking about it. And because it was a bank owned property, mm-hmm. we had to come up with cash. Well, we didn't have $114,000. So we go back and forth and we finally say, you know what? We're never going to find a better one because <clears throat> yeah. we we've looked for eight years. We've been looking. We know what stuff costs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're and aware. We, yeah, we say, OK, we got to take it. <clears throat> so we end up um, calling our realtor and saying, hey, we want to uh, give them the asking price. We want the property. And she said, I just hung up with the bank. They lowered the price. Twenty seven thousand dollars. What? Yep. So we said, okay, well, that's wonderful. Give them that asking. Uh, Yeah, we'll take that one. Yeah. So we got in and we were the first one in line. And then I ended up talking to one bank who was willing to look at my financial statements because I was self-employed. So I didn't have, I wasn't a W-2 employee with a great tax history that showed I was making tons of money. I was a self-employed guy that showed I was broke on my taxes because that's the goal is you write off everything you can to pay as little as you can in taxes. That's the one benefit of being self-employed. So anyway, this one bank was said, they said, okay, we're willing to lend you the money. Uh, The smallest mortgage we'll do is $50,000. I said, okay, well then I'll take that $50,000. And we came up with the remainder of the money and we had to put some money down on the mortgage and it came, you know, so then our payment on the land and we got a 30 year loan simply because we knew we were going to refinance the property and build a house on it. So we said, we want the smallest payment because it's temporary. It's only going to be a couple years. We don't want to quickly pay it off. We just want the smallest payment. So we have the most cash. Yeah. So then what we did is we came in and we immediately remodeled the temporary agricultural dwelling and made it a studio apartment and rented it out. Mm. So we rented that out. The utilities were in the name of the renter, which is what we always do. So they, you know, they pay their own utilities and uh, they were paying us for that little, I don't know, 350 square foot studio Studio apartment, apartment. you know, they're paying us like 650 bucks, which was pretty reasonable at the time. So now it's like, well, we have a $250 payment. We have $400 that this property is bringing in every month. Guess what this property is? It's an asset. Yep. Because it's cash flowing $400 every month. So this is great. So now we're not in a rush. Okay, if we can build a house today, great. But if not, we're we're getting this money and we're saving it up. So we save up money for two years. We end up renting out that 100-year-old house as well. As well. Okay, because there was someone that was, you know, and I had to do a little work, new hot water heater in it, whatever. Yeah. But uh, it's bringing in money. So this place was bringing us in over a 1000 bucks a month. And we're, we're thrilled with the place we're socking away money as best as we can and then we get to a point where we say okay we're ready to build and bada bing here we go we pull the permits we start the construction yeah then what we do is we build the house with the intention of building a an apartment in the basement 
yeah one day for my mom and dad to live in yes when they get older yes so what we do is we build the house with a big open basement just a big open rectangle okay and we live in there and it's you know unfinished square footage yeah not heated just a light bulb okay big open (laughs) concrete box yeah and then we save up and years later we finish the basement and we make it an apartment which brings us in money yeah which pays for our mortgage so all of a sudden bada bing this property is an asset asset yeah okay so it is no longer a liability it actually cash flows most people again are not willing to stick their neck out they're not willing to save up the money they're not willing to have that plan they're not willing to a lot of people are like i'm not willing to deal with renters okay that's fine sure sure. yeah that's fine okay if you don't want to do it you don't want to do it for me i've dealt with renters for i don't know a dozen years or more and it's always been a great deal for me you know other people pay for my properties i've never you know um i've never taken it in the shorts for on any of these properties Mm. you know sometimes there are difficulties but if the properties are cash flowing and you're again when your income rises do your necessities rise with it or are you smart with that money and you set it aside and you save it so guess what someone moves out you need a new coat of paint someone doesn't move in for a few months it's not a big deal right 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 it's not a big deal okay you got the money saved up it's no you know it's no big deal so if you do that you know it can be rental properties can be really really good on our property we saved up an amount of money we started construction and my goal and i would not recommend this i'll tell you what i would recommend yeah what i did was i worked somewhere between four to five days here building this house and then i packed up all my tools put them in the truck and trailer worked for two or three days a week trying to make enough money to make a living and i worked eight days a week you know 250 hours a week sure for almost nine straight months while we were building this house and it was i wasn't suicidal but i was so depressed i wanted to die wow okay yeah and i would not recommend doing it the way i did but i knew that there was an end i knew that there was light at the end of the tunnel and i just had to put my head down and i had to get through it and all of a sudden it would be worth it and it was yeah if i were to do it again what i would what i would suggest is you buy the piece of property how much property do you need most people an acre is all you will ever need oh yeah sure that is plenty for your garden that is plenty for a nice big yard for the kids that's plenty of room to store you know um your whatever second vehicle or the camper that's plenty of room for everything you want to do unless you're looking to seriously start you know raising a couple cows or something it's plenty of room you get the acre then what you do is you save up the money and you get a whatever you can afford a single wide or a double wide you set that sucker on there you put it on a concrete foundation Mm -hmm. and you start living in it yeah and you pay that thing down and you save up money and then what you do is you build your dream home 
on that same spot. You put the the trailer all the way up front by the road in the corner. Yeah. And yeah, you yeah. put a little fence around it. Okay. And you start building that dream home for cash. You lay the foundation. Okay. Then you get the lumber package. You frame it because in and dry can, it in. You can build that in. I mean, it doesn't have to go up in three months. No. You could build a house in phases. 100%. You, yeah, you yeah. get the concrete poured. It can sit there as long as you want. It ain't going to hurt anything. Yeah. Okay. Then after that, you frame it in and you dry it in. You put the the uh, wrap on the roof. You wrap the house with house wrap. It's, it's bone dry. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You put the windows and doors in. Bada bing. Okay. It's secure. The wood is not going to go bad, you know, sitting out, yeah, sitting you know, out, in yeah. the elements. Okay. And it's not getting wet. Uh, okay. So it's not a problem. You save up, you put the roof on, you save up, you put the siding on. At that point, you look at the house and it's like, wow, look at that. They got an amazing house. And you look inside and it's raw wood studs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing in there. Yeah. Then, you know, you save up and you have the HVAC go in, then the plumbing, then the electric. And if you can do these things, first of all, if you can do them yourself, that's great. But if you can pay someone to do them for cash, you just do them as you're able. Yeah. If you have to take out a loan on that house... That's fine. I don't see a problem doing that. But for us, we took out a loan for as little as humanly possible. And then what we ended up with is when we sold our downtown house, and we didn't sell it immediately. So we rented our downtown house. We moved into here, and we already had that studio apartment Mm -hmm. bringing us in an amount of money. Yeah. So our house was still, it wasn't bringing in more money than it cost us every month, but it was bringing in money. Yeah. And then we remodeled the basement and bada bang, someone moved in there and they started renting. And all of a sudden now it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're equal. Or you got it. It's equalish. You got it. So it's bringing in more money than it cost us, you know, and it's an asset. And if you're able to build the house in phases, you do the foundation, you do the framing, you do the roof, you do the siding, you start doing it like that. Do as much as you can in cash. And then basically when your wife is ready to kill you, then take out a loan, finish off that house, yeah. move into it, but you're moving out of the double wide trailer that you are in. And as soon as you move into the house, what do you do? You rent, you rent out yeah, that rent trailer. trailer. Okay. And with any luck, you're renting that for the cost of what it is to live on that property. And you just got rid of your mortgage payment. Now that's not going to be a plan that you're going to put into action and get done in six months. It might be a multi-year plan, but, but just imagine living with no debt. Yeah. No mortgage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a game changer. It That's really is. All of, a, all of a sudden, you can really do whatever you want. Again, most people are not willing to do it. They want the new, shiny, clean, neat, you know, modern house in a subdivision where everyone can see it and everyone everything looks great. And the problem is, initially, your life is going to look pretty good. And you're going to feel comfortable and you're going to like it. But you're not going to have much money. You're gonna. It's all going to be tied gonna up. It's going to be stressful. Yep, it's going to be real stressful. And then what's going to happen is all of a sudden you turn around and you're 65 years old, and you still got to work for a long time because you have not been saving money, you have not been investing money, you have not been planning for the future. Where do you think money for investing comes from? 
it's the money left over at the end of the month that you didn't spend. <laughs> sure, of course. And if everyone has their budget completely tapped out because they bought the house yep. for too much money that the bank said they could afford, even though they knew they probably shouldn't get it, and you have to get real nice new cars to go with that house, you can't drive junkers up to a brand new up house. To a brand new house. I sure. mean, what are the neighbors going to think? So you start going down that road, and all of a sudden you're going to turn around and you know, you're going to be working until you're 70 years old and you're not going to have two nickels to rub together. Yep. Or you can spend most of your life uh, looking like, you know, you drive an old vehicle, you, you wear clothes that you get at a thrift store, um, you get furniture given to you, every single piece of furniture we have, except yeah. for this one couch, okay, Just give was to given you. to us. I'm not going to buy new furniture. I have six kids <laughs> and some of them are still little yeah my youngest is eight i got six kids and a dog and you want me to buy new furniture you're out of your yeah, mind not a chance no it's gonna get destroyed <laughs> so but a lot of people are not willing to do that they want to feel rich even though they're actually poor and they're going to do that for 20 30 40 years of their life until they realize all right, we're actually poor, and yeah, now we're yeah, going to remain poor, poor forever. Yep. You got it. As a, a, well, Ramsey says you, you live like no one else now, so you can live like no one else. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, because, yeah, the way that everybody else is living mm -hmm. is paycheck to paycheck. They are. Not saving money, not investing much. And, yeah. Yeah. With all the stuff they can't afford. So, one of the cute little sayings I really like is people need to act their wage. Act their wage? Yep. <laughs> That's funny. That okay? is funny. Because, and, and I tell folks this all the time, look, there's nothing wrong with being rich. There's nothing wrong with being rich. There's only something wrong if you are rich and you try to act like you're super rich. Mm. There's nothing wrong with being middle class. There is something wrong with being middle class and trying to act like you're rich. And there's nothing wrong with being poor. There's something wrong with being poor and trying to act like you're middle class. Yeah, yeah. Wherever you are, it's fine. I have friends who are very poor. I have friends who are very rich. Okay, They're all nice people. Just act your wage. You got it. Act your wage. <laughs> that's that, pretty good. So that's what people are doing is they're trying to impress people. They're trying to look like something that they're not. And I mean, who are we trying to impress for crying out loud? You know, you ever met anybody? Yeah, like, no kidding. So, so, so <laughs> people are the ones I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to impress. Yeah. yeah, yeah, not not really into it. Well, I'm hoping you and Caleb maybe talk a little bit about investing. I don't want to throw my two cents at him, but yeah, I know he uh, does some stuff. I'd be no, I'll be happy to here. do that. Uh, Caleb's a train wreck when it comes to investing. Um, and that'll be fun to talk about. Is he really? Well, no, Caleb's had some really good ideas. Caleb and I have gone in onto some stuff together and it's been really good. Um, and Caleb is not scared to try different things. Oh, cool. So Caleb is more than happy to get it to, to find creative ways to make money. Um, he has not been willing to do a few of the things that I've told him I've had the most success with. But Zach, almost nobody. I was going to say, that's not news to you. He's willing to do <laughs> any of the things that I've had the most success with at all. Everyone, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
no matter i mean I, I, i'll tell you what's going to happen okay I'm, I'm telling you this is what's going to happen everyone is going to make fun of patrick for all of his ideas <laughs> as far as creative ways to make money now understand the number one way you make money and you make money that you're going to use to invest to get rich is your job yeah your job your business whatever your occupation is that's where the money comes from for wealth creation that's the number one place but the way i believe and this is different from dave ramsey so understand mm. you know and and i'm okay being different from dave ramsey and sure, sure. he's obviously okay being different from me because he's doing way better yeah, than yeah, i am yeah, okay? <laughs> yeah you know that guy is doing great yeah um but for me what it comes down to is risk tolerance most people are very very risk averse yeah yeah. They are so scared of losing a dollar that they will put their money in things that will never make them a penny. Yeah. And what I've learned is that if if you're scared to lose money, you'll never make it because you're just going to earn your money. You're probably not even going to invest it in stocks, in mutual funds. Just save it. I mean, yeah, just right. Just under the cushion, you know, in the couch uh, yeah, cushion yeah, and yeah. In, in the jar on top of the fridge. And and that is the worst thing you can do with your money. You want your money out there working out. You want your money doing bench presses and squats and, and you know, you want it sweating and, and, and making little baby monies for but you. But you clearly have, I mean, you got the emergency cash fund in the safe. Oh, yeah. But out, outside of that. Yeah. yeah. It's not like it's not in the safe, by the way. Oh, it's not. No, it's well, in a Capital One three hundred and sixty flex savings account, earning me four point three percent annually. Flex saving. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so, but either way, yeah. I mean, the you know, so for for me, what what I'm willing to do is I'm willing to take a small amount of money. The mm -hmm. the the Dave Ramsey suggests fifteen percent of your um income yeah. going to retirement investments yeah which is great we do more than that yeah okay because our goal for our whole life has been live way below our means pay off all of our debt stay out of debt and when you live way below your means the amount of extra money you have is much more well sure the more you can throw at it the faster you can reach your goal of course. okay so I have always been okay with taking a very small amount of money and putting it in extremely high risk investments. Sure. Yeah. Now, when I say extremely high risk, I don't consider that them to be extremely high risk. Other people would. They are considered. Yes. Well, and also a small amount. I think you generally mean an amount that you are okay if it just if it, disappears if it goes to zero if it goes to zero yeah. that's fine uh, yeah. and but these are the things that i've had 20x 30x returns on sure sure and for me uh, uh, there are so many people that have never had anything that's been 10x or more in a calendar year and once you hit that so my highest, and I'd have to look it up, but I, I have several that have hit 30X. 
and to put a thousand dollars into something and turn around and in one calendar year be able to yep. sell it for over thirty thousand dollars you know that's all you the idea of a cd at a bank making two and a half percent is laughable uh, yeah you're like what, no you're like are you kidding me <laughs> like you know it that's a joke people are not willing to look for these investments they're not willing to learn about these investments and then they're not willing to risk to risk. the capital yeah and you got to remember there's plenty of things where you make a very modest return and that's okay sure there are some things that and zach i've had i've had several things that have made 10 12 15 x but it was on three four hundred bucks yeah, yeah all right well that's it, it's not like i'm retiring off of that money sure 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 hey, but the point is how long would that three four five hundred dollars how long would it have taken to turn into you know ten or twelve thousand dollars if i was earning that you know even at three four per, even so. at ten yeah, percent annually yeah, yeah, sure. okay it's gonna take it's gonna take a lifetime so for me I've always been okay with doing riskier investments than, say, Dave Ramsey would recommend. Mm -hmm. Boy, I can, I can go in so many different directions. If you take your money and you do rational position sizing, so we're going to invest this amount of money this year. Mm -hmm. We're going to invest $10,000. And we're going to invest it into higher risk stuff. And let's say that our goal is to find 20 different things to put our money into. And we put our money into IPOs, okay? Initial public offerings yeah, before, yeah. okay? Um, we're going to put our money into uh, properties. And we're going to try to find foreclosed on tax lien auction property, really cheap, cheap stuff. Okay, we're going to put our money into bet on the Kentucky Derby. I don't care. Okay, sure, we're going to yeah. put our money into riskier things. I don't need all 20 to pan out. Sure, sure. I need one to pan out. Well, yeah, when you're talking about 10 or 20x. You got it. Yeah. I need one or two to pan out to make that $10,000 double in that year. So I'm okay with losing 17 or 18, having them go to zero or making modest gains on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what you do is you you sock that money away and now you got it. Yeah. And now we're going to do the same thing. We're going to do rational position sizing. We're going to do it on um, an amount of money that if we lose, no one's going to be happy losing the money, but we're willing to take a risk on some riskier things in order to be able to move the needle on our wealth and get us closer to, you know, what we want to do. A lot of people just aren't willing to do that. They're so scared of losing their money. Do you do some lower risk stuff too? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We, ha we put money every single month. Okay we we max out our roth iras yeah yeah every single month 500 bucks for joanna 500 for me i don't even think that's maxing it out i think you can actually 
I think you can donate like $6,500 now. Where a year? Make, yeah, a yeah. year. Yeah. So, you know, you, you have to make like 13 payments of $500 or whatever it is. We max those out, and th- that money goes into mutual funds. Yeah. Okay. Joanna and I also contribute <clears throat> to uh, mutual funds that are not in a Roth IRA, but you can do a traditional mm-hmm. IRA. Mm-hmm. Okay. We do that. Yeah. Uh, we have someone that manages that money for us. Right. 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 We also have an amount of money that I manage. So I'm going to pick the individual stock. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick what I'm going to put the money into. Most people are not willing to do that because they put their money into something and it goes down and they panic and they freak out and they're scared to lose it and they sell it at a loss and they take it you're, back you're out. You're watching it every four seconds you got on it. here. Yeah. Okay. Oh no, it went up four cents. You oh got no, it, it went yeah. down 12. Yeah. So you, you, you can't do that. And if someone's going to do that, don't manage your own money. Hire a professional yeah. to do it and just let them do it. And what you're going to do is you're going to check in with them every quarter, maybe every six months, depending on how good of a track record you have they have and how much you trust them and you're just going to check in and you're going to see how they're doing and and that's it and you're going to trust them you know to yeah. do it because yeah, they're professional it. and they have a good record again not hiring your friend okay there you not go. your friend's <laughs> wife who's the realtor okay you're going to hire a professional who uh, does this i could i can yeah. see it man oh I yeah mean, your, your head turning red and the oh, whole thing brother i'll tell you so <clears throat> So, again, I manage a certain amount, um, and I pick what it's going to go into. A lot of people should not do that on their own. Um, I'm going to pick everything from uh, lower-risk individual stocks with great dividends, that companies that have been around longer than I've been alive. Yeah, yeah. I'm also going to put money into much riskier, you know, like I said, IPOs. I really like IPOs. Okay. Mm. So a company that is growing, they're doing well, there's a market, they're moving forward and they decide, look, it's time for us to go public, get a bunch of cash. We can open up, you know, additional factories. We can multiply the system that we already have that's proven to work for several years. And you get in there and you can buy stock for pennies yeah nickels dimes quarters and all of a sudden you know the stock comes out you know in the ipo they get an assessment and it's going to be for you know ten dollars a share four dollars a share whatever it is and and it's like you've already eight ten twelve fifteen extra your money you know depending on what the ipo came out uh what you paid for and what it came out at sure so i'm a big fan of a lot of those things um anyway if you are terribly risk averse, you're going to have a harder time. You're going to be slower. It's going to take longer to, you know, make the money. If you're okay with higher amounts of risk, you know, I mean, Zach, I, uh, I'll tell you what, a really great one that I had just last year. Um, a friend of mine, I tell the story all the time to people. I said, a friend of mine called me up. He said, Hey, my whatever nephews, you know, sister-in-law or whatever yeah whatever it is um he has this trailer and he needs to sell it and he needs to sell it because he has to move he has to get over to denver to help a family just whatever kind of nonsense stupid drama was going i don't know yes i didn't care and my friend said patrick you got a bunch of cash right and i said well yeah i mean i don't know what a bunch is but sure what's going on he said he has this trailer and he needs to sell it because he needs some cash to go do the whatever i say okay well 
you got a picture of the trailer? He said, yeah. So he sent it to me and I look up the VIN and I look up the dimensions and I look up the trailer online and I'm like, all right, you know, this thing's selling, you know, brand new for this and used for that. And I said, yeah, send them over. Maybe I'll buy it. And I, he comes over and I check over the trailer. I have three, four trailers on this well, property sure, yeah. right now. Yeah. I deal, you know, it's not like I've never bought and sold a trailer. It's part of my business with construction. So I looked this thing over and, uh, you know, I'm like, I got to imagine I'm, I'm going to be able to sell this thing for like six grand. He wanted 1500 bucks for it. And I said, all right, here you go. There you go. Jones Sign the title. Go get the thing. 50 bucks later, I got new plates on it and the stickers and the thing's mine. I immediately put it up for sale. It was, I don't know, maybe two months it took me. And uh, I started getting calls. I had some people stop by. I had a fella stop by. I want to say he gave me, I think it was under seven grand. I think it was like 6,500 bucks. So again, forexed my money yeah took me two months i had fifteen hundred dollars i turn around i have you know sixty five hundred dollars i made five thousand dollars for really doing nothing but signing a piece of paper driving to the dmv and getting new plates and stickers and then signing a piece of paper a second time right right but you had the cash you had the cash because you were living below your means and you save money you weren't in any kind of emergency. No, there was no. So we took advantage of someone that needed money fast and offered. It's not like I beat him up over the price. <laughs> he came there and said, I need $1,500. Will you give me that for this trailer? I looked it over. I inspected it for five minutes and that was it. So had the cash willing to take the risk. And my, okay, so here was my thought at the end of it. Am I going to be able to sell the thing for $1,600? Sure. Okay. Yeah. And then then you, I made you, 50 then bucks. You, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the worst case scenario. Did I waste an hour of my time and make 50 bucks? All right. I've wasted an hour of my time that cost me a lot more than that. Yeah. But when it pans out. You got it. Yeah. And, yeah. and those things are everywhere they're everywhere people don't have the cash and they're not willing to take a little bit of risk mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's okay now if someone came to me and said hey patrick i've got this plane i'd say well that's great that's good for you, you. want to know what i know about planes yeah. bupkis yeah they fly yeah that, i don't know yeah that one might not. i have no idea <laughs> all right you know, it doesn't have a rear view mirror on it. So yeah. I don't know if I want that thing. Is that I'm even not, street legal? Yeah, I'm not going up in it. <laughs> so I would not buy a plane because sure. I don't know anything about planes. Yeah. I do know stuff about trailers. I know stuff about real estate. I know stuff about construction businesses. There's right. and, and I operate inside of those things. Okay. You ready for this? Here's another one. Yeah. And we, we should, we're, we're, we're almost getting up two to hours two hours. Yeah. Man. I know. I'm going to have to go to bed here at some point. <laughs> okay. So here's another one that. People um, have not, not enough people have figured out. I hired a guy to give me financial advice. Okay. It cost me a little over $10,000 to get this guy's financial advice. Wow. He's made me hundreds of thousands of dollars. Hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. 
what, what is it that people don't? So here's the deal. And this happens with a lot of guys. Someone who is very successful at picking stocks, they work for a hedge fund. Mm-hmm. They get promoted. They become a VP of whatever. Lehman Brothers, yeah. Goldman Sachs, yeah. but, you know, go down the whatever. After a while, they say, okay, well, we can do this on our own and make some real money. They start their own hedge fund. And then they usually, by that time, are already, they already have hundreds of millions of dollars to their name. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these guys retire, but they like the industry. They already have all these contacts. So what they end up doing is they end up selling a subscription service where you can buy their leads. And they will, every month, make this many recommendations, Mm. sometimes more, sometimes less. Sometimes it's, you know, uh, pharmaceutical. Sometimes it's tech. Sometimes, you know, whatever it is. But they will tell you, buy this up to this price. You know, this is how long I think we're going to have to hold it. Maybe less, maybe more. And then when it's time to sell, they send you an email. You get their newsletter, time to sell. And you sell it. You got it. And I have bought several subscriptions, lifetime memberships. And a lot of these, they say, you can pay this much a month or this much a year. Or if you're willing, you know, you can just go ahead and come all in and you get a lifetime subscription for lump sum. Mm. And for that, I mean, what do they care? They just add you to the email. Okay, we're sending it out to one more guy. Yeah, that, and, you yeah. know, and, and he paid a lifetime subscription for whatever, you know, several thousand dollars. So I think I have seven of these. <clears throat> I might have more. And uh, <clears throat> and several I've bought for thousands of dollars. Several I've bought for a couple hundred dollars. And I have these lifetime subscriptions to these different guys that give financial advice. And they say buy, I buy. They say sell, I sell. Their win percentage is massively higher than I could ever do on my own. Sure, sure. Okay? So I take some of my money and I throw it at that. Yeah. There's people... Clearly, the, the, it works. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the percentages are high enough. Absolutely. You know, and my wife and I looked at and that. And there's going to be losses. Yeah, there's and there are. Those guys oh, yeah, wrong. absolutely. Sure, sure. There, there are things that are going to go to zero. But again, what you do is you do rational position sizing. You figure how many items is this guy going to say to invest in each month? Four. How much money do you have to play with? Two grand. Sure. All right, we're going to throw 500, 500 bucks at each. each. Yeah. And that's it. Now, sometimes there's going to be a big winner and you're like, boy, I wish I threw all two grand at that one. Of course. But there was also one next to it that went to zero. So we don't do that. We do rational position sizing. And that way, when you win and you win big, it's going to cover dozens and dozens of losses. Losses. There are people out there that are much smarter than me. And I've learned to hire them and do what they say. Sure, sure. It's not that complicated. Yeah. Again, okay. are people willing to find these folks out and pay them the money and then follow their advice? So these are the guys you find on the YouTube ads, right? No, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> now, believe it or not, once you start finding these guys, reputable guys advertise with reputable guys. Yeah, yeah, sure. So they will, you know, and they know each other. And, and a lot of times it'll be like, okay, look, this guy. There's one guy that I really like listening to. His name is Jeff Brown. If you are into tech and AI 
and all kinds of you know technology everything which i know very little about but yeah. i like I, I like hearing about it and reading about it and learning about it this guy jeff brown is for you okay i don't even remember the name of his fund it might i don't know brownstone or i don't know what it is what, okay it's something. just look up jeff brown <laughs> tech okay investor and you'll be able to find him I really like this guy and I really like listening to him. I've listened to him on several nationally syndicated radio shows. I mean, this guy is all over the place. He's not an idiot. Yeah. And I got turned on to this guy from the guy that I hired to give me advice. And again, it's one more of those where it's like they know each other. And the guy that I go through, he's like, if you want to know about tech, this is the guy. Yeah. This is the guy that we check with when we're talking about a tech investment and we need something explained to us yeah because that is his wheelhouse that's where he lives so again it's not hard you know none of this is secret information okay none of it is you know we had to climb a mountain and ask you know some guru about again are people serious about finding out where to invest their money or not if they are they're going to pick up a newspaper. They're going to pick up a magazine. They're going to buy a book. They're going to start doing a little bit of research, and they're going to figure out where they feel safe, where they're going to get a good return, and they're going to start going in that direction. What I would tell everyone is I'd say pick an amount of money. I don't care how much it is. Okay, yeah. you can pick a fictitious amount of money. Say you have $10,000. Paper, paper $10,000 on an 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper and keep track. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna invest in MRO, an oil company, and I'm going to invest in. Just go down the list of these things. Start doing your own homework and figuring this out, and keep track and see how you do after six months or a year. If you're doing really well, well, maybe you want to make that actual money. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you do something. But so many people are so busy, and they're not willing to put any time into their financial future for me it was many many years ago zach that i decided i want to be filthy stinking rich yeah yeah, yeah. and i'm not going to get there by just hoping so and buying a scratch off every two weeks yeah that's not going to happen by accident no so i had to put in some effort to get going there and i'm not there yet i, I still work you know i'm not retired and just a pastor who yeah. doesn't need the money Okay, but I'm a lot closer to there than a lot of people I know. I bet <laughs> okay. you are. You know, I bet you I'm, are. I'm moving there, yeah. and you know, and the future looks good because we started back in my 20s, being smart with getting out of debt, paying for cash for things, living way below our means, and just applying all these principles. And then you turn around, and it's, you know, one thing that I started doing just a little while ago was getting in shape. Okay, I started dieting. I started working out. Nothing insane, sure. but I started putting time and energy into it. Yes. So I was moving forward. I was moving the needle. Yes. And what I found is after just a couple months, I'm amazed at how much weight I lost and how much better I feel and how much stronger I feel. But this is a long-term goal. How am I going to feel in six months? How am I going to feel in two years? Sure. It's the same with our finances. We're not in it for a get rich quick scheme. 
We're in it for, nope, I'm going to make changes in my life that I'm going to apply for the rest of my life. How am I going to feel in five years? Well, and you're going to be using money forever. And you might as well do it well. Yeah, you may as well do it well every time you do it. There you go. Awesome, man. Well, there's a long, there's more to go, but yeah. that's two hours worth of it anyway. No, that's great. I think we, we had a good time chit-chatting. We got some people watching us here. I'm not sure who, but we're going to say this. We're going to say thank you, everybody, for joining us on the Bible Thumper podcast where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes. This is Zach King, and we had a good time uh, talking about money. And for the first four Wednesday nights in January in Grand Junction, Colorado, we are going to have a financial seminar taught by me at my church, the Church of Grace. Uh, Find us on, all you got to do is go to BibleThumperPodcast.com. Find the YouTube channel, the Facebook page. Uh, There's going to be a link somewhere for the Church of Grace Facebook page. You're going to find an event. You'll find information on it. So you can email me, you can contact us, uh, you can find this podcast anywhere and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Please get on, listen, share, subscribe, rate, review, like, whatever you can do. Whatever the platform is, whatever button they have that I want you to push, push that button, okay? (laughs) And then share this podcast with someone if you enjoyed it. And uh, we we are going to record all of those financial seminars. Uh, You're going to be able to watch them on YouTube. We're going to put them on Spotify so you can just listen to them. They they will be a great help. Um, Please tune in for those and share them around, especially with someone someone who's a teenager, someone in college age, someone who's newly married, uh, it will help them more. Uh, they, you, they will have a greater opportunity to make massive changes in their life and see the effects many years down the road. So please spread it around. Zach, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. You got it. We'll talk to you in a month.